Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to the latest episode of Dentology, uh, the Business of Dentology podcast. And today we're joined by Rachel Jackson. And Rachel is the principal of Superior Smiles in Nutsford. Um, we're going to be talking about defined convention. And, and the thing that's really interesting about Rachel is that she's a practice owner, but not a dentist, which is a fascinating story. We're going to hear more about that today. Welcome, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. Very nice good to indeed. see you, Rachel. Thank you for joining us today. It'll be a very interesting chat, I think. Before you yeah. tell us your, your story in terms of how, how you got to where you are and, and that path that you, you've walked, um, just as an opener, uh, ownership for lots of people, and it's driven by lots of different things, and whether that's, that's money, control, managing people, you know, the desire to set the vision. What was the thing that when you woke up one day you said, I, I need I need to own my own practice. What was the, what was the driver for you? So throughout the years of me working in dentistry, like I started in dentistry when I was seventeen, I've worked in so many different practices with so many different people, patients, clinicians, staff members, and I would see so many compromises for each of those elements. And I guess that I always used to think oh, do you know what, if, I, if only I could do this, then it would eliminate the pressure from them or it would make it easier for them. And as I went more down the managerial route, I would say that 80% of my job in certain practices was dealing with complaints from patients or from unhappy team members that would then leave mm. and they, they weren't able to retain their staff and things like that. And, and I guess that I used to just be dealing with these complaints and just think, this is so ridiculous. Like, if they just did this, this wouldn't have happened and it wouldn't have got to this position. And... In a way, I kind of wanted to take that away and be able to have some control. And in, in a lot of practices where I was a manager, I did kind of always used to walk in with the mentality of, oh, it, like it's my own little baby anyway, and kind of set it up and things. And I used to love it. And I was having a chat with a friend one day and they were like, oh, would you love to own your own practice? And I was like, oh, yeah, but it's not achievable. And that kind of planted the seed for me. And then from there, I started to think, actually, why could I not do it? You know, now that I can register with the GDC and I can actually open a practice and I can do it. So I started to kind of look into it. And then I guess that the the part that for me was the, the financial, you know, the struggle with like financially, mm. I couldn't get the funding that a dentist could get. I say, because you don't get the same terms. Do you? It's, it's a bit no, of a no, it's, it's, it's nonsense, really, because it's a dental practice and it still yeah. provides the same security of revenue. Because I can assure you, we've seen dentists who are completely useless financially. So there's no guarantee that having BDS makes you a financial no. security. No. It's the practice. And I, I always think it's really hard, when it, whether it's a nurse or a hygienist, who goes to a bank and they say, oh, well, I'm really sorry, you're not a dentist. So therefore, you can't borrow those great terms, those great percentages mm. of loan to cost, mm. and you're sort of stuck. So how did that work? Did you sort of have to try lots of different places or put in loads of your own money? So obviously then I was thinking, you know what, if it's just the finances that are the bit that's stopping me because everything else is there and the boxes are all ticked, then how do I overcome that? Mm -hmm. So then I started to look into kind of like the business side of things and, and different entrepreneurs that had done startups and not in dentistry because obviously what I was doing was nothing that anyone else had really ever done before that mm -hmm. as far as I could see. So then I started to look into that and how people then get funding and like investment networks and things like that. And I thought, well, if I really wanted 
do it, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. So those sacrifices are going to be that, yes, I've got to put some of my own money into it, but ultimately the actual full funding that I need is not going to be achievable for me. So I went down the route of an investor. I had conversations with different people that I knew. So some of them were dentists and, you know, I had three, three different business plans before I did. This is my number four. Before I did this number four, I had three different business plans that I'd kind of put forward to people and, and they were, were dentists. And one of them was, had a bit of dental background, but wasn't a dentist. And for whatever reason, it was like a process of elimination. Something mm-hmm. didn't work for me. Something didn't feel right. Something felt like it was all going to be on me, but then it would be their name to it. It sounds and like I'm Dragon's Den in reverse. It is, yeah. it doesn't was, it? It's it like, like you're, 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 you're doing the elimination almost based on trying to find the right partner. Yeah, but equally, when I when I was obviously presenting my business plan, it was a bit like I was on Dragon's Den mm. and they were the dragons because they were investing in me. So. Yeah. I was giving them something and I was giving them my plan and what I could do. But then equally, they needed to see that I was going to be able to deliver on that so that they would be happy to kind of put the money in and support me in that way. So, yeah. And and, and obviously, it was never just like one person. You'd be up in front of other mm. people. And with my investor that I did go with in the end. Non-dental um, or dental? Non-dental. Okay. Non-dental. So I looked at a business plan as a business plan. You're going to make yeah. me money. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to share the profit with you. You're yeah. going to have an uplifting value. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and that was it. And it was literally I was in a boardroom and I was presenting like on Dragon's Den. And I think that, you know, what was really, really nice after is that he did say to me, you know, like 80% of that was down to who you are and your drive and your passion, your dedication. Mm. So that really kind of like satisfied me that I was like, actually, it's come across exactly how I wanted it to, and that you know, that I can deliver these things and kind of get get it to where I, I want it to be. So mm-hmm. You said your friend kind of, you know, set that, that seed in, in your mind about, you know, you could own your own business. How long was it from that being mentioned to that kind of ruminating, thinking, umming and ahhing before you did something? Mm. Did, did you immediately just wake up and go, right, this is it, I'm going to do it? Or yeah. did you kind of just carry it around for a while? Yeah, probably like eight years. So, Eight years. Wow. Yeah, a long time. So that was it. It was just like a, a, a we were just having a wow. drink. It was just like an off the cuff thing. And this person wasn't in the dental industry or anything. So they were just like, oh, well, what, what but was the funny thing is, even there? though you say eight years, you still remember it. So obviously, that, that was the thing that started yeah. it, even though it took a while. Yeah. And it, and it was funny because when it when it started to when I started to look into it a little bit more and spend a bit of time over the years, I'd kind of keep it to myself because I don't really feel like you should ever really share your next move with people. And then obviously I wasn't really nursing, so I didn't need to be on the GDC register. And people would always ask me every practice I worked in, they'd be like, why do you stay on the register? Why do you pay for it? And I was like, oh, one day, like I might want to open my own practice. And they kind of laugh at me and be like, oh, OK, that's whatever. <laughs> um, especially like my bosses. They'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. So stupid, like so naive, like she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I would just say that, and I would always get laughed at, or I could see that people would be like, okay. Then have How like did that make you feel uh, when when they did that? Did you did that kind of strengthen your resolve that oh, I'm going to yeah. show you one day I'm going to do it? it and is that to prove anything to anybody? It was just more that I was like, okay, well, I know what kind of person I am, and I'm yeah, really yeah. determined. And if I want to do something, I'll do it, everything in my power to do it. And I used to think, okay, well. Let's see. I was going to say, is that what you've always been like? Yes. Always, yeah. 
Is there is there entrepreneurial history in your family, or were you involved in business prior to the dental practice? Just interested whether it was something you kind of got brought up in that sort of world. <laughs> oh, I actually didn't. Like probably the complete opposite. But my parents did really instill a very strong work ethic into me from a very young age, and very much you know you can never leave a job unless you've got another job and you always need to kind of upskill and you always need to critique yourself to grow and develop. So they kind of always instilled that into me. And then I guess when I went into the dental industry, because I never went in with, oh, it's going to be a career or anything. It was just a job at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, then I kind of saw another side to life and like the world and things. And when I was work for these people, I was like, oh my God, and they've done this from here and they've done all of these things. And it inspired me and a lot of the people that I've worked with because of the way that I work with them and the kind of roles that I've done I've I've always managed to be quite close to a lot Mm. of my bosses and I've only ever worked for privately owned practices I've never ever worked for corporate through choice I've always had that really nice close relationship and got to learn through them about business and ask the questions that I want to ask and see the things I want to see. And Rachel, did you think, uh, Andy asked at the beginning and you said, well, I've always wanted to do it. Did you want to do it because you wanted to be in control, do your own thing and earn money or earn money, (laughs) be in control and do your own thing? You know, was it a financial motivator? Like if you you were able to rank them, would you say, well, the first one was actually, I wanted to do my own thing because I'd seen so many areas that I could change but I knew that if I did that then what would fall out would be financial security and benefit so for me I always think that the money comes later Right. with everything in life any job mm. any job that I've ever done I've always thought you know what I'm going to just like jump ship because I want this opportunity I'm going to take it with both hands yes it's a little bit less money because I've not got the experience but once I upskill the money will always come later mm. and some people lose sight of that and they chase different things and they think the money comes first and it depends on what you're looking for and what you want to deliver so my main driver was the control of I think that I can do this another way mm. and There's so many things that I see that could just be eliminated to make things easier. There's a lot of barriers in dentistry when it comes to like litigation. A lot of people are scared of litigation Mm -hmm. and and what comes with that is a barrier with the patient. So then sometimes the patient maybe gets treated the way they shouldn't get treated or something is miscommunicated. And then where does that end up with a stressed out dentist who's then got a letter from like the dental law partnership Mm -hmm. on their desk, hating dentistry. (laughs) So do you, do you want to go down that road and live that life and live all that stress when actually, and, and, and the thing is, I don't, I can, I can see it because when you're a clinician, you are just in that. I'm in my you're surgery. So close, aren't like, you? yeah. You're trying to, you are trying to do your best, but sometimes you just need somebody that will step away and just say, listen, you know, let me deal with this for you. Let me do this. Let me do that. So we're in the practice now my what I do isn't kind of like your typical treatment coordinator I do like a whole nother level of it because I do want my clinicians to just focus on their patient and if they need to have a complicated conversation or a difficult conversation I I'm always there because I want them Mm. to feel like they've got my support break down those trust barriers break down the communication barriers with a patient and kind of take that away from them so it's not just about the patient it's about the clinician Mm. as well and and they have they do have 
so much stress and so much pressure on them. And I just mm. wanted to kind of help I, take I, that away. I think away. for lots of principles, um, the, the typical economics of a dental practice requires a principal to work in the, their surgery for a minimum of a sort of three days a week. Yeah. So they're locked away in their room. They're not managing their business. They're dealing with that patient mm. on a one-to-one yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that experience and that patient's great. But in terms of, you know, diffusing stress and making sure that everything else is being done well in the business, they're not there. And if you happen to have an amazing practice manager mm. who's yeah. doing that for you, then that's great. But lots of practices don't. So I think having somebody who has ultimate responsibility like you in the practice, but not being tied into the mm, surgery yeah, is so powerful. And outside of whether it's an ownership thing or not, I think so many practices could learn the power of having somebody outside of the surgery who's genuinely mm. empowered to make decisions and control that environment. Because that would actually de-stress the, 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 the principal, if the principal is a dentist, when they're in the surgery, knowing that they're being looked after. Mm. One of the things I... How did you find that, or more to the point, how did the dentist react to you as a business owner communicating with them, uh, not probably about clinical, but about you know uh, how to do stuff i was talking to a guy the other day and he's a he's not a, a dentist and he was trying to get his dentists to uh, inject in a less painful way and and he said that the clinician was a little bit grumpy about it and and I imagine that's a massive challenge in the fact of you, you're a, a, a dental nurse pff, and then you're a practice owner. Pff, you're not really a dentist and you're trying to commit. I mean, how did you, how did you cope with that? Or did you find everybody was really lovely and they were really accommodating and they went, of course, Rachel, I'd love to do that. The, the smile and the shake of the head gives away <laughs> the answer. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> so obviously I'm lucky because I've had, a lot of experience of that and I have overcome a lot of challenges as a manager in a business before so my dentist that owns that practice says to me in my managerial role in the past Rach like this is my protocol and that dentist needs to follow it and it's your job to make sure they follow it <laughs> they hate me they, they literally can't tolerate me because they're like who the hell is this girl telling me what to do and it was really difficult but ultimately I was like I just need to keep my boss happy and do what my boss wants mm. of me but the key, key thing for me is to know my place. I'm not a clinician, mm. so I'm never going to overstep that mark and say to them, I think you should do it this way because this is what I say. So I'm not a dictator. I don't think that you should ever dictate. So I think it's about having an open conversation. And that's not just with the clinicians. That's with the whole team. So, you know, I've seen this. Or what have you identified and how could we maybe improve on it? and trying to see what you could all learn from different situations and different experiences and how you then have a conversation to then make changes for the patient to be more comfortable. And yes, of course, there's a certain element of we do it in this practice for this reason and it, and it does work this way because that's what I know. However, I'm very much, guys, these are your areas. If you see anything that is problematic or you think that we could change, I'm all ears. Come and tell me. Mm, that yeah. Be open. Mm. And it's about open communication, honesty, trust, and, and ultimately respect yeah. massively. So I respect them and they respect me. And I'm not like, oh, guys, I'm the boss. You know, it goes, you do mm. what I say. Mm. We're all on the same level, every single person. And, and I think that in, in my experience in dentistry, you do unfortunately get a lot of dentists that have a massive ego. 
And for me, if that doesn't work, it doesn't work. They're not the right fit for my mm-hmm. team then. I say, did you have dentists that joined you that then unjoined you? Because yeah. they didn't just get it. They weren't part yeah. of it, didn't really. Yeah, but, but also I have it where I've had a, I have had an experience with a clinician where they've, they've addressed me as, oh, well, yeah, I know you care because you're the practice manager. And I'm like, well, am I? Yeah, I am the practice manager, but ultimately, you know, this is my business. So, yeah. But they would never be able to address, it would almost be too difficult for them to address me as who I was. No, really? They couldn't, they couldn't just cope with that. Actually, it was me. And- Doesn't compute. I mean, you've, you've described yeah. your, your take on it and how you position yourself. To, to, outside of dentists, do people treat you differently mm, now? You're yeah. a business owner because you were saying that when, when you were a nurse and you stayed registered and you always had this thing and when you said to people, people would laugh at you and say, ha ha, yeah, that's not going to happen. Now now you are a business owner. Do you feel that, that people treat you either within dentistry or outside of dentistry because you're a business um, owner? Have you, have you no, seen any difference I, or not? I don't think so. No, I think I think actually the, the one thing that I do yeah. notice that I do come up against is that because for my age actually and, and what I do and, and, and also with nurses that are perhaps like registered and, and, and obviously I'm to them I'm at their same level even though I'm not that's been difficult for me and also the fact that I'm a female with some patient stuff things like that I can be an easy target yeah. and that's what I've struggled with so there's some some things that I've come across that, that uh, you know in my role that I think never ever ever in all my years in dentistry with a male boss that owns a practice would mm. they ever deal with that situation and even Albert said if that was me they wouldn't do it and that's the challenge that I face where I feel like I am treated differently that's damning isn't it that's that's rubbish that yeah. you know based on your your sex you get treated differently and based mm-hmm. on you know your qualification the job you do you get treated differently it's an interesting thing I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it there Rachel and the fact of uh, you know I, I look at it and think yeah you, you're a you're a female that's a dental nurse who's bought a practice but actually you are young as well so so even when you put that even if you were a dentist you'd be a young <laughs> practice owner to step out and and sort of yeah. I can't think of another way um, to be very ballsy and to have the guts to to do it. You know, it's it's quite an interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, I was thinking about the other things, but actually, the age thing. You are young, aren't you? It's, so people then do say, "Oh, well, you haven't got experience or whatever. Mm. You haven't been you haven't been around the block or whatever it might be." Ah, it's fascinating. Yeah. So when you did your 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 dragon's den pitch, you know, when you were kind of starting out and you you had this great idea, I've got this thing that I think naivety of business is a superpower. I think if people genuinely knew the, the, the crap that, were, that, that was coming down towards them, they probably wouldn't do it. And I think a bit of naivety in business is a good thing because it just makes you start and then you kind of just keep going. H- how much planning did you do? You said that kind of, that comment was made eight years before you did something, but from the point where you woke up and said, I'm going to take this seriously, h- how much planning did you do before you got to a point where you said, I can actually now articulate my thoughts and, and try and take this to the next level? Um, I mean, I completely agree with the naivety thing because I, I did do that myself. And I was like, oh, it's just going to be the same as me managing a business because I've done it for so many people and it's so easy, but you feel everything on another level. Oh, but, but, it, but it is it's a superpower. Like <laughs> Honestly, I think naivety is so underrated. Yeah, yeah. But like you say, it, it then just comes at you and you're like, well, you know, I just need to go on to the next level and you learn from everything. So I think that's really good. In terms of the planning, um, obviously, 
there became a point when I was like, I had to obviously sit down and be like, right, am I serious about this? Is this my kind of next step? And and I, I kind of was having a few different conversations with people. And I guess it took a really long time for me to believe that actually it was really going to happen. Yeah. And I have said this before when I was speaking to somebody else is that the only time that I truly realized that I've actually done this is that I had a photo shoot of the practice for the website before I opened. And that night when I shut my door, I was like, oh, and I had like a mini breakdown. I was like crying, but, <laughs> but like happy. And like, oh, you know, you're not like, well, I don't. I've spent um, all the money. Yeah, I've got no yeah. income. That's, that's quite late yeah, in the yeah, day yeah. to realize what you've done. I really yeah, yeah. wish I was in limited yeah. accommodation because I've got no assets. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to live here now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sell my car and buy a bike. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to have anything. All my jewelry's gone. <laughs> It's a good job I'm around the corner. No, no, it was genuinely just, it fully hit me then, the emotion of, I've actually done this. Like, I've actually achieved it. And I was so proud of myself. But also, I knew that that moment was when the hard work actually began. Can you tell us the story of how the opportunity got to where you are? Yeah, so... Basically, because I'd managed like a few businesses and seen the type of dentistry that we were delivering and my role as a business manager as opposed to a practice manager was that I dealt with the accounts and the figures and the marketing and everything. So I kind of could see the potential for what I could perhaps bring in. But I obviously needed to fit into that. Who could deliver it? What cost would that cost me? What are my overheads? What are my kind of figures and things? So I kind of started to loosely put some numbers together as like a business. And did you know where you wanted to go and location wise and stuff like that? I, yeah, I had an idea of where I wanted it to be because obviously I, I, don't, I already lived here anyway and I kind of wanted it within close proximity. I did market research. I kind of, yeah, spoke with other practices without them knowing, you know, spoke to people in the area. Mystery like, shopping. Yeah, mystery shopper. Um, so I did a lot of market research and then there were a few things that I thought, right, these are my absolute no compromise. Like I need to tick these boxes right, okay. with yeah. my premises. So things like parking for the patient. Mm-hmm. It, it was a no-go for me because they're things that I'd seen have been really stressful situations in the past. So I kind of pulled on a lot of my experience. And then I also had some conversations with people that were in business, but not dental practices. And then it kind of really started to spiral. And I got my teeth really into it and spent all my spare time on it. And then I was like, right, okay, now I'm ready to go. Like, I'm now going to go out there and I'm going to look for this. this." And I didn't know it was going to be a dentist or anything. And I think that because I kind of always keep myself to myself a little bit, um, I didn't really ever understand that I had this, you know, people would see me as this person that, oh, I could actually do business with her or this would be like a great opportunity. And it was just one person that approached me, um, a dentist actually, and just had this kind of side conversation, you know, like I want to have a meeting with you about an opportunity. Da, da, da. And then I kind of said what I was thinking of doing and that opportunity wasn't right for me because I was going to actually, I was thinking of doing this and I didn't want to kind of let them down. And then they were like, well, you know, could I do it with you? And then I started thinking, oh my God, like, do people actually see me as... Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was never thinking to go to a dentist. So Mm. that was the first one. What a boost as well, isn't it? If people are interested in your ideas, it really makes you think, I could could be onto something here. And a change of perspective, isn't it? That someone going, oh, will you work with me? Well, actually, I'd I'd really like to work with you. Oh, (laughs) serious. It it was a big change for me because I'd never seen myself as the person that somebody wanted to work with or somebody would would go, yeah, you know, I want to do this or whatever. 
So that was the first one. And I guess that gave me the confidence to then go, actually, I want to work with them. So then now I'm going to go and approach them. And then as I did it, it was like, yeah, I'd love to. And it, it kind of gave me the confidence to then be like, right, okay, I'm really in control of it now. And and like I say, I had a couple of conversations and for whatever reason, some boxes just didn't tick for me and things didn't feel right. Um, so then I kind of took it again back to outside of dentistry and then obviously, yeah, went went from there. And you and how did you find the practice you got in the end? So with the building that I have, uh, interesting story. So I was obviously looking around the area and there was, it was between, so I, I was actually just about to sign on another premises, which was oh, part really? of a private hospital. And um, it needed um, a lot of building work done to it. So it was basically a shop front and it needed to be fully converted. And it would right. only ended up being a two-chair two practice. Um, and it kind of ticked all my other boxes that so I was like oh this is going to take a bit of time and it's going to be more expensive and whatever and then I and then I started thinking oh you know if I then want to continue to grow the business long term I then have to almost do like a bit of a franchise and have other other premises <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of the plan was that way and then I, I got a call from a friend in the dental industry like hi Rach I just want to let you know I know that you're looking for premises and this that and the other and there's actually a, a practice around the corner from you and the, the, the dentist has just fled the country and wow, I'm like, okay, what, like, what, what do you mean? Okay. So as, as I kind of get more information on the story, it was... Um, Pablo Escobar, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So the, the clinic was set up as a, a, you know, a functioning practice and it was owned by um, a private orthodontist who, for whatever reason, had got into maybe a bit of difficulty and then just fled the country and left literally that day or whatever and, and gone back to... Um, so this South was Africa. fully equipped, ready to go dental practice? Yes. Right. Empty. Yeah. Well, yes. the chat, obviously, all of the equipment was there, but the equipment got repossessed. Right. Um, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Really? They repossessed it. That's interesting. I just thought they'd have, you know, considering the secondhand value of equipment, they might have just said, did you want it or was it rubbish? Anyway? They did. Yeah. They offered it to me. And I was like, no. It's. Oh, is it not so great anyway? Oh, okay. <laughs> Come and take it like out. Fill <laughs> your like boots. <laughs> you un, 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 unplumb this chair. See I, how much um, I care. <laughs> I know. I, re- I recently actually did like a little throwback video on my social media and even my own team that worked with me out, they were like, oh my God, is that how it looked before? And I was like, I, I forget that people don't realise. So maybe I should yeah. kind of touch on that a bit more. But yeah, it was very kind of like run down old equipment that I was like, uh, okay, right. the amount that they were asking for, I was like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, it was then functioning, had like the compressors and everything or everything that I needed to be in the right place. Um, stripped one surgery out completely to make it into a big treatment coordinator room with like a photography studio and things like that in there because I feel like in this day and age that's very important Um, and it was really important for the kind of journey that I wanted to deliver as well and then just did a full refurbishment of everything on the ground floor the top floor I didn't touch it at that point so that was just kind of left Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah the ground floor to kind of get it up and running and then obviously as we've grown we've now started to to do the same upstairs as well yeah I mean for people listening to this um, you should really take a look at it the the practice superior smiles in Nutsford if you google it because it's a a most fabulous looking art deco building it's beautiful Um, and Rachel's very active on on social media so the pictures on Instagram as well (laughs) but it is it's a stunning looking building Uh, and I imagine when patients first mm. come to the practice, they're blown away. I imagine when they turn up and they see it, and that sets a tone for the whole relationship you're with yeah, every patient. Yeah, definitely. After, definitely yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a really nice talking point as well because we always get asked about 
the history of the building and people are really interested. And then I kind of, with it being Art Deco, I didn't want to go full Art Deco with the interior. Mm. So I kind of is it, is it listed because it. of the look of it? No. It's not, definitely. right. So it gives no. you the freedom to do what you want as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a really interesting talking point with a lot of patients. And then they really like to hear the story as well about kind of how I did it and where I got to and why I did it and things. So that's really nice for the patient as I well. I think over the last few years, people are becoming so much more interested in stories. Aren't mm. they? they want to get behind the scenes and they want to know who's in there and how you did it and why this building. And, and you know, it just makes remember? it more three-dimensional. Do you remember it? we went to Lindsay Boyd, that lady who does, yeah. I don't know, she sold shoes or something like yeah. that. But, but she's very much a, a sort of marketing guru. And yeah. she was, she took us through, didn't she, the, the different ages of marketing, you know, from like the 40s onwards and saying, you know, this is the age of technology and this is the age of explaining how we do it. And now we are in the age of people not really particularly that interested in what it does they're more interested in who delivers it and what the background is and that's exactly what what you're saying yes yeah. people are uh, you know everyone knows you can have Invisalign or whatever it is or tooth whitening or implants but what they want to know is who's the people <laughs> behind the delivery of that yeah and that's that's the important thing that's what people really yeah. buy and invest in yeah, yeah. in Brilliant. people yeah, yeah. absolutely I think as well, like people get confused when, when they talk about things like marketing and things, it's like marketing is storytelling. So you need to, yeah. you need to tell the story because what well, it is, because people don't buy, people don't come to us because they're like, Oh, I, yes, I want to buy Invisalign because they could have Invisalign anywhere. Yeah, yeah. They come to us because of the stories from other patients and the experience and then the people. And, you know, it's like a conflict because you see some people that say, Oh, you should never show the people behind the business because it means that you're then limited with how you grow it and you know and you hear people that say things like that and that's I just think rubbish. Actually, I completely disagree with them because <laughs> yeah. I just think you know for me if I was going somewhere yeah great I can see a couple of before and afters but actually who's delivering that and mm. who are the people and what, what's, the, what's the experience going to be like mm. and what does it look like and a lot of our patients that come to us as a new patient they always say to me do you know what? I love your social media because I feel like I know all of you already. And that mm. is exactly what I wanted to achieve. So it really yeah. kind of makes me think perfect. That's exactly what well, I want. The thing is, like you say, by the time they actually get into the practice, lots of the things that perhaps 10, 15 years ago, you'd need to spend time building rapport mm. and explaining and, and getting that relationship going. It's already been not done, but there's, there's, there's elements of it that have already been dealt with. And then you yeah. can just start building on that, which is, which is quite well, nice. Well, D-Day, Decision Day, wasn't it? You know, D Decision Day used to be the first time I met you, but whereas D-Day now is probably social media presence what your website looked like what's the feedback what's yeah. your google reviews what's those yeah. things so actually you never get to meet me if you fail before you even get to that point so d-day is way before yeah. it used yeah. to be and, and and unless we all accept that the answer is you'll you'll sort of die out mm -hmm. i think to mm -hmm. a certain degree just, just go yeah. back to the structure of your business so when you set it up you said you had an investor but i did was it the sort of investor that basically um invested financially in the business but left you to get on with it you were the principal yeah. the business owner they provided yeah. funding but they weren't actively involved so yeah. you've obviously now got albert who's your clinical director was there a period where it was just 
you completely running the show, dealing with everything. Um, yeah. At what point did Albert come on in that role and how's that kind of changed in terms of the running of it and the relationship you've got and, and how, how does that work? Because from the stuff that I see, it seems you have an amazing relationship. It seems that it just works really well. But what was the kind of the pathway from having an investor doing it yourself and then having him on the scene as well? So part of my kind of my agreement was that if, you know, certainly somebody that's not in dentistry that it was like you're kind of like a silent partner. You don't get involved in the day to day. Like I I do everything and, and this is like our transaction as such and that's it done. Um, so it's always been that way and he doesn't get involved. And then obviously he's there if I need him for things that I may not have experience in on, mm. on the business side, um, which is great as well. Um, and then, yes, at the very beginning, I was completely on my own. So I had a clinician in the practice and I found it so difficult because I'm not a dentist, so I could see things just from the other clinicians that I'd worked with and the kind of level. And I had to just think, it's not my, you know, I've got to kind of shut my eyes a little bit and just be like, okay. And I couldn't just overstep them. And I couldn't, but also I found it really hard because I couldn't say, listen, I can take you to the next level and I can treat, teach you this, this and this, as I could with somebody else on my team. Mm -hmm. So I really struggled. And Albert... Um, Albert and I had worked together years ago, probably six years ago. And we, I was his treatment coordinator and I was also the practice manager in the practice that he worked as an associate with me. And we had a great relationship um, with the patients. Like I kind of did everything that he needed me to do. And we, we kind of worked really well together and didn't always see eye to eye. And we actually weren't friends. We just worked together. We were colleagues. That was it. And, um, when I left the practice, he left not long after because he was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm just not getting anywhere because the new girl that's come in, like, it's just not the same and everything. So he just went out there and I kind of went off and did my own thing. And he, we had a conversation. Um, I think he might have seen on my social media or somebody that he'd spoken to because um, I kept it really quiet at the beginning. and I didn't really post anything till like a year later um, that I had my own practice. And he was like, you know, I'd, you know, I'd be really interested in coming over, see the practice, like let's have a little chat. So we'd agreed that he was going to come and work as an associate with me. And when he started to see like some of these treatments and things, he's like, I, I, I like, I need to say something like, you need a little bit of help here. And I was like, I know that I'm really stuck and I don't know what to do. And I guess for him, he was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, it needs to work for me as well because that was the conversation that we had. So I trusted him implicitly. Mm -hmm. I'd already seen the type of person that he was and we were kind of very similar in the patient is kind of the main focus. And I'd seen how he works with the patient, the type of dentistry that he delivered. He'd also, in the meantime, between us working together, he'd been on a few post-grad courses that I worked for somebody that delivered those courses and, you know, never ever passed any, uh, you know, compliments that they'd be like, oh my God, you know, Albert's amazing. As I know. Um, so he was really, <laughs> kind of go into that next level and I was like I really want to push this business to the next level I need somebody beside me that's going to take me there so we'd come to that agreement probably six months into me having the practice and then he probably signed in as a director like yeah probably like a year year into it you move quickly time. don't you yeah 
what's the, what's the point in waiting? Yeah, but so, so many people don't. So many people will kind of just let things run for, yeah, I, I met with a guy several years ago. It took him two years to sack a practice manager who was actively sending patients to another practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I say, I think it's really refreshing that you are very clear in your mind what you want. Um, yeah. You have a plan, you go after it, you execute it. We say fail quick. Yeah. Fail quick, move on, change. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something that I'd um, I'd seen as well from um, like a couple of business coaches and things and people in business as well is that you shouldn't ever carry dead wood and also that you should just if you if you need to do something just action it straight away because otherwise it actually just drags you down and it holds you back and the the longer that you hold on to it the more it takes over and it really does eat away at you and there's a flip side of that because you can then get a reputation of for example, if I've got a new team member, but something's not working, I'm not going to drag it out. I'm like, it's not working. Let's just cut the cord, be mm. done with it. But the other side of that is that you get the reputation of, you know, oh, they don't give anything a chance and this, that and the other from people that don't know you and they don't know yeah. the truth and see what happens. And a lot of the time I can't be bothered. And it happens that you just, some things happen online and you just can't, you just don't get the opportunity. And to you're never going to influence other people's opinions no. anyway. So you've just got to disregard just them. Think, just disregard it, forget it, and just do what works for you. And if you feel like it's right and it's the right thing, just get on with it. If you're comfortable with the decision you make, yeah. that's kind of pretty much where it, where it starts and yeah. stops. Yeah. We, exactly. um, we first, I first came across you through Instagram. That was kind of how I, I first, you know, you came to my attention. And we all know that our gram can be whatever we want it to be in terms of how we present ourselves. What, what's, what's the reality? What's the reality of Rachel Jackson's day? Because you wear a number of different hats as TCO, principal, sometimes nurse, you know, occasionally see you sweeping that front step. What, what, <laughs> what, what, what's the reality of, 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 of your day? How does it kind of come together? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, just have my coffee on the wall and sweep the chat. I just stand outside the front of the practice and that's my day. <laughs> Is that your marketing? Coffee. Yeah, we, 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 yeah we, actually have, like, we actually have a joke in the practice that I just swing around on my chair all day and do nothing. <laughs> They're like, oh, you've been doing nothing again. Um, so I guess that social media is a highlight reel. So people yeah. will only show what they want to show. And it's difficult because part of me always thinks, oh, should I, you know, be more open about the reality of owning a business? But then could it just be seen as, oh, you're just like moaning and really negative, like just mm. get on with it. So I try to keep it like a really positive place. The reality of my working week is that my role as a treatment coordinator in the business is take, takes up three to four days full time. So whether that's that I'm doing video consultations, whether that I'm kind of working alongside the dentist so I can help them out with their chair time and do like whitening fits and um, taking photos if I need to, having conversations with patients, you know, do, I do a lot of the treatment plans um, alongside, like obviously under their instruction, um, treatment plans, consent forms. Um, there are some kind of big appointments that I need to do where I need to be in the surgery. So, for example, when a patient's having like a, a, a what we call a mock-up where they see their smile and we're talking about their changes and things, it's really important I'm there for those conversations so that I can relay that information to the patient in kind of like layman's terms. So, three to four days a week is taken up in that room and that's for the patient and also for the clinician to take up the pressure. And then the rest of the time, I, I literally do do what I need to do to support the girls. So, whether that sometimes you can have a hectic day and the girl's like I need you to help me in the decom room or sorry I'm a bit late because of traffic and, and, and yes I am genuinely sweeping a step or mopping the floor or finishing at the you know the end of the day sometimes Albert might have a really complex case where 
we're taking off maybe like old restorations and you don't know what you're going to find underneath it so do we want the pressure of another patient either side of that appointment probably not let's just mm. see them on a Saturday or my nurse goes on holiday and I end up covering her again to eliminate the pressure of my other team members because I think for a clinician when you're doing a complex case where you really need to focus if you've got a locum nurse that's coming in that hasn't got a clue about the treatment procedure or how you work that's really stressful not for only the clinician but actually for the patient and the rest of the, the mm. team so I mean what's the lesser to you because I'm very rusty on the nursing side but at least he knows he can kind of rely on me to set everything up how he needs it and I know where everything is uh, the patient knows me so it's much more relaxed and then my nurse comes back from holiday and thinks actually do you know what everything's done for me she's then not stressed whereas mm. the local would then go kind of upstairs with my therapist and she is doing treatments that most nurses can kind of find their way with that so that's a bit easier in terms of my role as the principal and kind of running the business side of things a lot of that does go into my own time Mm. but then what is my own time because when you own a business you don't you know you don't really have it as such and and I guess that I I'm learning that I need to sometimes take time for myself and that's been a massive learning for me Mm. because you can't be productive all of the time so sometimes I do need to to shut my computer and be like I need to go home I saw something recently and it said that if you feel you need a holiday you've probably already left it too late which yeah. I thought was really smart. And it said, actually, as business owners, we tend not to look after ourselves as well as we no, should. No. And we don't take the breaks as regularly as we should. And the last 18 months has been interesting. Well, yeah. And, and people have been working flat out. And, and like you say, we yeah, we were talking earlier about, as a business owner, you tend to be the pressure release valve in that you always take the pressure off everybody else to make sure that everything keeps running. The downside to that is that you perhaps don't get the breaks that you need. And over time, you realize that it probably affects your overall performance because you just get a bit tired. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And and it's about realizing that, yes, you do need to kind of, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't take holiday. I can't take holiday. I can't take. And I actually, I've booked one and I'm going like in a few weeks. I'm like, right, I'm done. I'm kind of switching off. But you know what it's like, you'll never fully switch off. But I know that the girls and, and with Albert, like I can leave them and I trust them and I've kind of trained them and they feel empowered mm. to make decisions and things and, and they know what they're doing. And what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, you can always deal with it. There's always going to be a way around it. So I just think I can't just live my whole life around, oh, I can't take a break and I can't take a holiday. Oh, you'll said, go nuts. You'll go nuts productive. and burn out. Yeah. And that's not exactly. part of the, the no. joy and the reward of only running a business. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Stress and hassle. People do it for different reasons. And one of the reasons you do it is not to not have holidays, not see your friends, not see your family. Those aren't the reasons to own a enjoyment, flexibility, and then money, not opposed to having no flexibility whatsoever. We've talked to people in the past about um, (laughs) legacy and where legacy sits. Is Is it important for you to inspire the next generation of TCOs, practice managers, nurses, hygienists, therapists, whatever it might be, to show that there is a pathway through to business ownership Mm, if you're not a dentist. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's something that I plan to kind of focus on a lot more in the new year as well. Um, For me, from my own personal experience, when I I first started out in dentistry, it was very much a male-dominated industry. Obviously, that's changed over time. People can really clearly see that. But also, it was kind of like you fit into this box. So you can either go here and be a hygienist or you can stay as a nurse forever. And mm. I used to think, I don't, I, like other people might have different reasons, but I used to think I don't want to be a nurse when I'm like 30, 40 or whatever. Mm. Just for me, I just thought that's just not the life that I wanted. Um, and I used to think there's got to be like more opportunity. And obviously as 
I progressed in dentistry. There was kind of like the management side and then the treatment coordinator. So I've pretty much done every kind of role that you can do apart from being a dentist or a therapist. And um, I guess that I didn't want other nurses that come into it to be in that same position that I was, as in you kind of lose your motivation a bit and you think, oh, is this it? Like, am I not going to go any further than this? Or you go into management and it's kind of sold to you with like all bells and whistles and oh, it's amazing. And actually it's just a load of problems and you're just a, you're just a problem solver. Yeah, yeah. You kind of come to a point where you don't enjoy it. And I guess it was more... Yeah, I, do, I want people to know that, yes, it is achievable if they want it, but it's actually how they go about it. And maybe that's something that I haven't shared enough of that mm. I can see. And um, a really good example of that, actually, is that today I have a locum nurse in my practice. And it's somebody that used to be a nurse that I used to manage somewhere else. And she walked in and said, oh, my God, what are you doing here? I'm like, this is my practice. And she's oh, like, wow. has no idea. So as much as I always think people know <laughs> what I've done... I, they actually don't. Yeah, they don't. That's somebody that knows me. So I always think, oh, I'm kind of singing about it too much. And people are like, probably, oh, you know, she's always talking about it. Actually, it's probably that I'm not saying enough about mm. it. Mm. People don't have, have the full knowledge of it. I think also, I think unfortunately, it's, it's about your audience as well. Because for you, the primary people that you need to let know who you are, what you're about, what's going on are patients. Because mm-hmm. they're the people who are going to make your business thrive. Uh, people within the profession, yes, it's great for them to know about it, and that uplifts them and mm. it, it helps them kind of you know, that inspiration for the next generation. But actually, as a as a in a young business, your priority is to make sure that you're you're generating new patients. It, 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 it's a nice thing to bolt on the side, which is letting mm. other people know. But it's it, in the early days that, mm. that can't be your priority because it's completely mm. exclusion of your own business. Well, yeah, it? it's completely consuming just to kind of get yourself up and running. Yeah. But if that's now getting to a stage where it's starting to feel a bit steadier, you've got those structures in place, and there is some capacity to do that, then that's great. So will you become the yeah. guru? You know, it's that interesting thing, isn't it? the fact of will you end up with dental nurses and treatment coordinators and practice managers saying well, well okay can I have a private hotline to learn how to do it I yeah. mean, which is great in one thing but not if it then- well, I'm probably causing you problems because if I speak to people who aren't if, <laughs> yeah, 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 if yeah. I speak to people who aren't dentists I say do you know about Rachel and they're like I've heard the name what is it and I'm like well this is Rachel's story <laughs> you, you, you need to follow her because she's kind of leading the yeah, way and genuinely yeah. for lots of people that, that aren't dentists I talk to about you know can I own a practice could I stay practice up whatever it might be to, sh- to show them a pathway of someone who's done it before mm. is massively powerful it's, it's yeah. huge without the advantages of being a dentist I mean that's yeah the- that's the nonsense of it, isn't it? The, you know, we're just going back to the funding and the, yeah. the attitude of that, that you no doubt faced and may continue to face. You've 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 battled against that. It's, it's almost a it's a even more well, it is. It's a bigger battle than just being a dentist doing a practice because you've sort of got a bit of given yeah. in the fact yeah. you're a dentist. The bank it loves you like there's no tomorrow. Whereas from you, you had a very very different experience of it, but of still yeah. succeeded which makes it a, a, a great story yeah, yeah. is there a film in there I don't, I don't know what you'd call it though. what would you call it <laughs> oh, I don't know I think I'd call okay. it coffee <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really nice as well with 
a lot of the nurses like and I didn't realize how much of an influence I would maybe have and what I really love is that I get so many nurses that are like oh I've only just heard your story and thanks so much because I was starting to feel really demotivated and needed that kind of hope or whatever to see that there is something else so I love it when I get a message like that because I just mm. think oh do you know what that's so nice because maybe they've been in that position and I guess especially now in the industry with dentistry the challenges that we face with a lot of nurses have kind of dropped off mm. and you know like the unfair pay and things like that but again it's it's so hard for businesses to kind of see past that for different reasons and sometimes mm. they can't afford it and and I think there'll be a massive change there in the future as well and I think that you know something's going to have to change the there, thing but... is it all joins up doesn't it you know dentistry yeah. isn't just about dentists no. it, it's everybody that works in the practice has it, to come together to deliver the service change, doesn't it you know yeah. we look at valuations and you know you see what people are paying their nurses and you think and and, and you know we've heard stories of nurses who've given up and gone to stack shelves in yeah. Sainsbury's because they earn more money and that's, that just doesn't make sense, does it? You know, you've got a, a qualified individual who, in reality, is probably generating or helping you generate as a dentist a significant amount of money per hour, which you're then not paying enough to retain that person mm. who can actually go and put loaves of bread or toilet rolls on a shelf at Sainsbury's. And then you wonder why you can't replace them. And, mm. and yeah. you either got to put your prices up or just reduce your margin you know it's but you've got to keep those good people oh absolutely nuts yeah no the importance of that that team um a, a couple of things we ask guests when we get to to the end um is if you could be the fly on the wall you know in a certain situation um where would you where would you like to be hovering on the wall and what what situation would you like to watch over um so there's a really kind of innovative clinic in germany that i know of and um it's because actually Albert had been on one of their courses and he just came back and was like, oh my God, you know, they're like the Emirates of dentistry and the way that they do everything. And, you know, it's so, so like a well-oiled machine. And I like to think that we're kind of 80% there, but I'd like to just be on the fly on the wall with those guys to go, oh, okay, what can I do better? Because I always think that I like to always in my whole career I, li- I like to receive criticism constructive criticism and I'm the first person to critique myself because I think that that's how you learn so apparently even though everything's so refined and everything's so amazing they're always like what could we do better what could we do to take it to the next level so I would love to just see their operation kind of like live and kind of take bits and pieces from them that sounds good and, and, and that kind of feeds into that kind of marginal gains you know you can always mm. squeeze one yeah, percent out of it can't you by, by doing something better and i think in reality you're the sort of person that you'll probably end up at a practice one day watching what they're doing um because <laughs> you strike me somebody if you want something you kind of go and get it yeah. <laughs> and you're after, yeah. after the fourth of october you're going to fly there probably without <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and, yeah. and if you could if you could meet somebody who would you who would you like to sit down and have have dinner with they can be from the past still with us a fictional character who, who would you like to meet um, so I think like on some days when um, I have like a difficult day in business and I'm like, I need some motivation. There are a couple of people that are like entrepreneurs on social media. that I just read their quote and I'm like, oh my God, I needed to hear that today. Like that's really given me a boost or made me realize that actually, you know, 
it's like I'm not alone in this and it's normal to feel this way and those people are like Natalie Ellis and she's like the founder of Boss Babe and yeah. also like um, Gary Vaynerchuk as well. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gary so, yeah, those people like really inspire me yeah Gary V so um, but ultimately the person that I would love to sit with if I could is my first boss John he was a dentist and he passed away tragically in an accident kind of didn't get to say goodbye whatever and I would love for him to just see because he really shaped me from a young age he yeah. gave me like an opportunity and he got me passionate about dentistry oh, and brilliant. he really kind of like started to mold me as who I was and, and I honestly think that if it wasn't my first job was with him I don't think mm. I would have stayed in it and I'd love for him to just see now who I am today oh, and yeah. I'm just, he kind of started nice. that journey off for me um, yeah. and I always think he kind of can see me anyway and watch down or whatever but I'd love to just see him and see kind of like yeah this is this well, it's quite a nice quite a nice wrap of a bow to the whole conversation because yeah, it's about it. people isn't it if if you're yeah. passionate and you work with passionate people or you bump into passionate people it rubs off on you it can't you can't no. help, you can't help can you and to, one person can change your life I think that's the the interesting thing you you never know when your words yeah. and his words and the way he was with you that he set you off on a path that yeah. that you're now fulfilling I think it's always fascinating that mm. you know you, you say stuff don't you and you never know you never really get to know whether, whether it really sank in or not but you sort yeah. of hope it did but <laughs> yeah. the, 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 you know but the good thing is that for, from John's point of view it obviously did yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. That's a brilliant, brilliant yeah. ender. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it, Rachel. I, th I think it's a great story. I think you are only you haven't even probably got through your first chapter of your book in terms of the things that you're doing. I think there's there's loads more that you can be getting mm. on with. Um, and genuinely, I think it, it is going to be inspiring um, to people from all walks yeah. of life in dentistry. And I think the fact that you have defied convention and you didn't look at the rule book and say, "Well, I can't do this," mm. you thought, "Well." Mm. I'm going to tear the rule book up. I'm going to set my own rules. And, and, and that's giving you that, that kind of pathway of your own. Really, really exciting. Should inspire dentists as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. The fact of, that, that, that you've achieved, I think, against probably quite a lot of profession norms that, that you've achieved and pushed back and got to where you are. It's, a, it's yeah. an amazing credit to yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you. I think it, people should look at it and go, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's inspiring. And we appreciate your time. And as, as a business owner, I know that you're going to jump in your car and head back to your practice <laughs> in the next few minutes because that's just what life looks like, isn't it? And sweep that yeah. step. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sit on that wall and have a coffee. Exactly. <laughs> Rachel, we'll let you go. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thank we, you. Really thank appreciate you so your time. Much. And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get to see one another soon. That's been brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Lovely. Look after yourself. Cheers. Thanks. Ta a fabulous conversation with, with Rachel Jackson. So, so interesting. Isn't it? So interesting. To think that, you know, we're in an age now where she's she's kind of, you know, blazed a trail for non-dentists to create and run a successful dental practice as, as somebody who was, you know, a registered nurse um, to not look at the rule book and say, this isn't available to me, and then just mm. stay in her lane. She said, well... It's not available to me in that way, but I could do it mm. another way. And she's broken so many barriers down. Really impressive. In a, in a way, it's, it's almost a bit embarrassing for the dentists that we talk to who never quite yeah. get to the jump off point. Because actually, the, the cards are weighted so much more in their favour 
than they are in Rachel's. Oh, absolutely. And, and she took the jump. Yeah. She took the leap. Yeah. She did it. She's got to where she is. <laughs> Whereas the dentist that sort of have a uh, a better series of options is probably the, the, the best way of putting it. A lot of them still don't quite yeah. jump off to, to also, commit. The, the, the thing where she had a reality check with herself that said, if I want this to happen, I have to get an investor. Mm, so I have mm. to give something away. But it's yeah, so that's important. true. That's true. That's it's true. so important to me that I want it to happen. I'm prepared to give it away because that's how it's going to happen. And that, for me, it's it's so binary because yeah. it either happens or it doesn't happen. And is it better it happening, but you have to take an investor as opposed to it never happening? What? And the fun and the enjoyment and the inspiration that she's created as mm. a result of owning it, I'm sure she'd do the same again. What's that phrase? Is it something like 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. No, I thought it was really no good. no doubt she, she has defied convention. Yeah. Doing a cracker. And it, I think one of the fascinating things is, is obviously she her message hasn't really got out there much. No. We no. might know about it. And that's hopefully right. yeah. more people will hear this on the podcast. Yeah. Go, oh, hello. And I guess that's kind of partly why we did yeah. Dentology, wasn't it? Yeah. To share some of those those really interesting business yeah. stories across dentistry um, and get them out to a wider audience. She's a hidden gem. Absolutely. No, not, so, really not so hidden now. No. That was <laughs> no, really, good. really interesting. Excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.